Good morning, everyone. Friends, uh, our first reading, along with the gospel, uh, picks up particular themes. Uh, in particular, the first reading, uh, anxieties and fears and um, fear of death, fear of the, uh, what can be done to a human body. Jeremiah is under persecution. Um, in the gospel, we hear Jesus say, do not be afraid. St. Paul would tell us, do not be intimidated by others. And uh, um, so, my friends, uh, I went and looked at the American Psychological Association's statements of late, and uh, particularly uh, in light of COVID after it, um, it said that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. suffers from some type of anxiety now, or an anxiety disorder. Regarding anxieties and its disorders, excessive or debilitating anxiety, they said, has two origins. For some, it runs in the family, meaning it's kind of genetic, and it's passed down from generation to the next, how they respond to things, um, typically maybe in fear with great anxieties, depression. For others, the anxiety disorder comes from their environment. Perhaps they've experienced a traumatic event in the life, or maybe they live in a hostile situation for a long period of time. Uh, one of the examples given uh, when you live in an area where, it's, where there's just war always, they begin to have anxieties and great fears. I bring this up because Jeremiah, the prophet, would belong to this latter part. His life was not easy, and it would seem that God would not make it easy for him when God gave him a task. And my friends... Uh, if you haven't read the book of Jeremiah, you should, because he's very relatable. Uh, he runs the gamut of all the emotions that he was upset, he was angry, he was afraid. Uh, he, uh, he really got angry at God. You guys don't know what that is, right? You would never be angry at God. It got to the point where he wouldn't talk to God anymore. You guys would never do that, would you? Yeah, you can't relate to that. Yes, you can. And... Uh, uh, he was angry at people, and, uh, and by what I mean, God didn't make it easier. This is what, on one occasion, Jeremiah is talking to God, and he's complaining, and, he's, and uh, for him, it was known as Yahweh. Yahweh said, if running against man has wearied you, how will you race against horses? Do you know what God meant? It's about to get worse. Stop complaining. <laughs> and it would get worse. So much so that Jeremiah would bitterly curse the day that he was born. So this is the reason why I brought up, I began with uh, the psychological things. And uh, all of us can relate and understand having anxieties and uh, of late and uh, people, uh, sometimes the response to it uh, after COVID, uh, people were suspicious and afraid. And in their fears and their anxieties, they went on trajectories that were not so good some not, you know, some did well, others didn't. Some people did things they probably shouldn't have done or never would have done. Uh, of late, you can hear people say, oh, well, I was so afraid, that's why I killed that person. You see what I mean? The, what it does. Uh, and uh, it's not good. And um, <clears throat> God asked Jeremiah to give a message to his people. And he wanted him to speak a word of God and a truth of God, capital T, not the little truths that people like to talk about, the truth. But the people of his time had no interest 
in hearing anything from God, which made Jeremiah's life even harder. And the truth that Jeremiah had to communicate was that if the people of Jerusalem, that's his town, did not repent and reform their ways, and quickly, their city would be overrun by another nation. Have you read the book of Jeremiah? Do you know what the people were doing that offended God? They were hurting each other. They were being disrespectful to each other. And in doing that, they disrespected God. And in my words, God had said, enough, enough of this. Stop it and reform your ways. So think about us today. If God in Jeremiah's time was offended by the way people treated each other, what do you think God thinks today? He's offended by the way we speak and treat each other with disrespect and dishonoring and hatred. Even some, the people of Jeremiah's time thought that if they just simply do the bare minimum, if they just, all right, the law says I have to bring a pigeon into the temple and offer it. If I just do that, uh, everything will be fine. Nope, that's not how it works. And uh, what that did was it showed that their worship and their prayers were lacking in any sincerity and any love. The people of Jeremiah's time believed that if they just maintained their exterior mechanical observance of sacrifices to be done in the temple, that God would protect them. But that was not to be the case. They hoped that things would work out as it did for uh, their ancestors a generation before when an army, the Assyrian army, besieged Jerusalem. But miraculously, they were stricken with some kind of disease and they couldn't go to war, the warring nation. So they left and the city of Jerusalem was left fine. They thought, God will do that again. So here's Jeremiah. He's caught between the challenging words of God to be delivered to the people and people who had hardened hearts against God and Jeremiah. They had no interest in listening to the message. In the responsorial psalm, in its totality for today, we hear the ideas that was going on with Jeremiah, that he would have to bear insult, that he had to let shame come over him, but in all of this, he did not lose hope or confidence. He would eventually, if you read the whole book of Jeremiah, he would come to understand that God was with him. And because God was with him, he could handle the things that were happening. And um, that God would vindicate him. And that if he remained faithful to God, God would remain faithful to him. And in spite of the many varied Emotions, anger with God, fear, anxiety, anger at people, persecutions on many levels. Jeremiah testified to God, about God, to the people. He remained true to the mission that God gave him. So that brings us to us. As Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we too can have all those varied feelings that Jeremiah had. And we probably do, if we're honest with ourselves. We live in a society and culture where many people feel that God simply doesn't matter anymore. You guys live in the same world that I live in, the same society. You know what I'm talking about. 
they also would feel, instead of being confined to a temple, they thought in Jeremiah's time, God lived in the temple. Instead of being confined to a temple, as in Jeremiah's time, some of the people of today think that God is confined only to our personal sentiments. He only exists because we think about him. You have to have encountered this. It can't just be me because I'm a Catholic priest. So my friends, when we as Christians try to speak on matters involving societal woes, social justice, and public policies, we can be met with hostility. And although in this country we might not lose our life because we witness to Christ, we nonetheless can be met with great hostility, abuse, and something even worse, never-ending indifference. And I bring this up because this indifference, while it doesn't hurt our body and bruise us, it has the ability to erode the foundations of some of the Christians who are not too strong and begins to make them sway. And it pushes them into despair. So that's why this indifference is terrible. Now, my friends, for me, I know that I can, as a priest, I can live my life and testify to Jesus Christ, and it's unlikely someone's going to kill me. But if they did, Jesus Christ will raise me from the dead in time. There. <laughs> but the one thing that Father Mark cannot do is he cannot seek vengeance and he cannot be filled with hatred and anger because that'll keep me out of heaven. <laughs> so I can't do that. Oftentimes now as a priest, and I suspect you, we are told that the Christian faith and really other faiths have no place in the public venue, that we should keep our faith and our opinions to ourselves, that we should just stay in our stained glass window buildings. As a citizen of this country, my opinion matters just as much as anybody's. And my opinion has a rightful place just as anybody else's opinion also has a rightful place. And here is a historical fact that no one can deny. This country of the United States was founded on Christian values by Christian Puritans. Now, if you want to argue if this country should remain that way, that's a different argument. But to tell me that as a Christian, I don't have any place or my opinion, that's ridiculous because this country was founded on that. If anything, mine does belong here. Well, my friends, we have a right to speak on matters of policy and morality in the societal room, realms of society. This is also known as uh, helping the nation's conscience. This has also been told as the soul of the nation. Uh, we have a right uh, to help mold that. Every, every person in the United States have a, have a responsibility to seek the good moral character of our nation, not to go about looking for amoral things. But it is doubly true of disciples of Jesus Christ. It is our duty to represent him and to speak on these matters also. We are to assist with the ensuring of the moral compass of our society, to ensure that it is working properly. 
we have a vocation to seek healing in our society. We are not to cause division. We are to do this in accordance with the teachings of the gospel in accord with the apostolic traditions and teachings of our church. Father, what do you mean by that? Meaning what the apostles said about Jesus. And we find them in our scriptures. That is what we're supposed to cling to. Because sometimes I'll speak to other Christians and I'm not sure what version of Christianity they're talking about. And sometimes I'm not even sure what Jesus they're referring to. Now, my friends, a couple of months ago, I was someone who wanted to have a conversation with me, not from around here, and they said, you know Jesus was more democratic, a Democrat, than any, I'm like, I'm sorry? I said, what Jesus are you talking about? You're talking about the son of Mary? <laughs> or are you talking about another Jesus? And I said, Jesus was not democratic, he was not Republican, he was not independent. Well, how do you know that? And I'm like, it is in the scriptures. Where? And I said, we're so arrogant in our generation to think that all this stuff belongs to us. Way back in first societies, there were traditional things and liberal things, and there were what we understand as democracies and communism and dictatorships. Just look, it's in the scriptures. Go look. In Jesus' time, that setup was known as the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, of which Jesus did not lean to any of them. So that's how I can say, no, he wasn't this way or that way. He was more the Son of God. So here it is, friends. We are to read the Gospels, and you will find there that Jesus bravely said what needed to be said to the people of his time, much like Jeremiah did centuries before. Here is the difference. Jesus never demanded vengeance or hostility on those who opposed him. He preached forgiveness. He prayed that they would be forgiven. That's why he said, you can kill me, but I won't get into heaven if I hold anger and stuff. They won't let me in, so I have to get to heaven and say, oh, Jesus, that was really bad what they did to me, right? Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> But what Jesus did, this was the deepest and the most perfect and divine type of fearlessness that one could have. Jesus never feared anything for himself. If we can say anything even close to this, Jesus feared or worried about us, what was becoming of us, and what path we were going down. This fear was perfected by his divine love. So my friends, I bring this up because in our society now here in this United States, we are driven by perfection. People want perfection in everything. They want you to be perfect in everything you say and everything you do and how you look. Perfect, 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 perfect. It's exhausting. And it does have the ability to influence Christians because now we want to be perfect. And the call isn't to perfection but to holiness. We can't be perfect in this world. And because of that, it could erode and make some people uncomfortable and have anxiety, make them become disillusioned and despaired, that they'll never be perfect in their courage and love the way Jesus was. But I'm here to tell you that we can still imitate him to the best of our abilities. 
That's how we testify. People are, how do I testify to him? Well, not by your hatred. It's in the scriptures. And my friends, where I think Christians are stumbling the greatest is in their trust of Jesus. If they really, really, really trusted Jesus, they wouldn't do some of the things they're doing and saying, and they wouldn't be overcome by fear so often. They wouldn't be paralyzed by it. So we have to be, trust Jesus. We really have to give ourselves over to him. And trust requires a particular type of courage. Trusting in the Lord, we will not be overcome by fear. We will feel it, but we will not be overcome by it. Meaning we will not be influenced by it, we will not be intimidated by it, we will not be paralyzed by it. We will do what is necessary. And my friends, you know, perhaps what is needed most now in our time is not an overnight hero, although those are good. You know what's really needed? It's just disciples who exhibit ordinary, everyday courage and faith every day, every day, every day. And my friends, you know this. Courage is never not being afraid. It is about being afraid and still carrying on and doing what is necessary. That is one of the definitions of courage. It is about being afraid but still doing. Jeremiah, being afraid but still doing, still testifying. So Christians today have to accept, they have to come to accept that as his disciples, we have a duty to speak and to testify on his behalf. You, I'm talking about you guys and me. And my friends, so what is that? What is the truth? What is it that we're supposed to testify? Well, Jesus says it, and St. Paul very, very well calls it the law of Christ. Any disciple here in this room want to tell me what that means? Does anybody... Yesterday, I mean, at the last Mass, I practically had to pull it out of somebody. But would anybody offer, do you know what the law of Christ is? Anybody? Right there. Not only the love of God, the love, but Jesus gave us a new covenant and a new commandment. And you'll find it in John 13, 34. As I have loved you, you are to love others, not just your friends, but your enemies also. And I would say, we can take out that word love, and as I have honored you, you are to honor other people. If I, as I have cared about you, you are to care about other people, and not just your family and friends, but everyone. This is the law of Christ. You will find it in Galatians 6 and 1 Corinthians 9.21. Paul really tweaks it out for us. But John 13, 34 is where you'll find those very words. That is the law of Christ. That is the testimony that you are to be living. And there's more. But that's, because people always talk, tell me the easy way to do this. That's so American. What's the easiest way to do this? What's the least I got to do to do this? So Christians today have to accept that this is our duty, to speak prophetically God's truth. And when I say prophetically, I'm not talking about predicting the future God's, when we say prophet and prophetic, 
We're talking about God's words being spoken in this time when it's necessary. That's what the prophet does. So all of us are that. And you know what? We have to do it even when it's not welcomed. And perhaps those who oppose are speaking out on behalf of the gospel. Maybe they're doing so out of fear. Maybe they're fear of, their fear of the change that would come, their fear of being judged. I don't know what it is. But we cannot be intimidated by it. And my friends, then, um, as Jesus said, my Father cares about everything, every creature. And he said, he knows when one of the sparrows fall from the sky. And just because he doesn't prevent the, peril, the sparrow from falling doesn't mean he's indifferent to his creation. This tells us he's not indifferent to human beings, that he loves them. This is one of the greatest gifts of all for us. Salvation, eternal life. And so Jesus says, so don't be afraid. And in St. Paul, he'll say, don't let these, meaning people, intimidate you. Philippians 1, 27 through 29. Don't let this happen. And so my friends, let us focus on our mission given to us by Christ in our time. But let us do it under the example of our master, Jesus. He did it with love, for love, and for his father. And he did it out of concern for us. That's why he came. He wants the disciples today, all of you, to do the same thing, to follow that same pattern. May we strive with his grace to confront our own fears and anxieties. And so allow Christ to work through us to bring reconciliation, peace, and harmony and healing, not only to our nation, but to our world. My friends, if we do this, if we do this, St. Paul wrote in Philippians 2.15, then will you shine among them like stars in the sky. Then will you shine among them like stars in the sky. He ends that particular passage, that quote, with when you have the words of life of God with you.